Welcome to the Biohacker Blondie Podcast, where we talk all things health, wellness, longevity, and of course, biohacking. Today's guest is Elias Arjan, a luminary in the health and wellness space. Elias has consulted for top wellness brands like Biostrap and has been spotlighted in various media, including international publications, live events, and dozens of podcasts. His ventures include Healthspan Productions, known for signature events like Heal Forum and the Healthspan Summit. Today, we dive into the key pillars of longevity, the declining lifespan, health tips for every decade, and the crucial role of relationships for longevity. We'll also explore Elias's dietary journey, how he went from vegetarian to eating red meat, how he is feeling his best at age 50 and lifting more weight than ever before, and his latest venture, Proven, focused on scientific validation in wellness tech and supplements. You won't want to miss this amazing episode, so let's get into it. This is my second podcast with Biohacker Blondie, and we are here with Elias Arjan. Yes. Is that how you say that? You got it. Uh, founder of Healthspan, also co-founder of Proven? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And you've had some other companies. Yeah, I've been uh, a couple different places I've been involved, and not always within um, sort of the health span and health industries and a lot of different spaces, but I had a, mainly I had a consulting firm for a long time. Okay, so you've been in this space for a long time. Yeah, so so long that I don't want to admit <laughs> due to my actual age, but yes, uh, I mean, I started as a personal trainer uh, oh, and like studying it. exercise science. Uh, over 30 years ago. Okay. And how was that? I mean, that was an amazing <laughs> time, but we didn't have the knowledge that we have now. So really, like when I was a personal trainer, the, the levers we had was you either want to gain weight, which meant gain muscle usually, maintain your weight, or lose weight. Yeah. And that was like, that's all we used to talk about 30 years ago. I know. We have so much more information about our health, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so why is our health um, not... In a great, you know, like, like, why is our That's, lifespan decreasing and why are more people sick than ever, you know? I mean, that's that's the trillion dollar question, right? right? Is what is going on? Why why are we looking at declining health, uh, lifespan, like lifespan dropped actually in America for the first time Yeah, ever. I was actually just listening to another podcast today from a DNA company. I don't know if yeah. you know him, but yeah, it's... Like three years, right? Yeah. So in yeah. the last, I think since it COVID. depends. There's a couple different studies depending on who you refer back to, but yeah, I think you know, I think for women it was something like 78, and for men it was about 76, okay. and it's dropped. And it's not just COVID. Like a lot of people say, well, that was because of the COVID, like the COVID. Yeah, that's what up. I was. But it's not just COVID. It's literally because, uh, you know, chronic diseases and diseases of lifestyle have reduced American lifespan by somewhere between one and a half to two and a half years, depending on who you look at. It's crazy. Yeah. We have our DNA now. Yes. <laughs> we have more science than ever. Um, so I think it's just why, you know, I mean, I know. Definitely kind of why our uh, health has not been so great. But um, yeah, it's definitely a concern and we need to do something about it, right? Yeah. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, this is, should be like an all hands on deck moment, right? Yeah. Like this should be like everybody, this should be front page news every day. I know. And, you know, it seems like we go from crisis to crisis to crisis as a society. Not and, fixing but, the root cause. Well, and but 
to me, I guess the reason I got came back into health after being in a lot of other industries was because to me, you know, I also too was probably even my age, right? Because as I started to get older, I started to realize that, you know, because I had the foundation of, you know, turning into athletics when I was young, but before that, I wasn't always that way. I was that kid in gym class that was the last one around the track mm. who could never do a single push up. Like I was kind of an obese kid. And were you out of breath as well? Always like you're out of breath. Yeah. I had asthma, mm-hmm. I had allergies. Like I was a very unhealthy youngster. Yeah. So what happened was, was when I was 18, I was like, you know, I'm going to do something about this inspired by my grandfather because he was, he was, you know, uh, an elderly farm guy, like he grew up on a farm. And so when I looked at him and I was 18 and he was like, I think he was 60 years older than me. So he was 78 and I couldn't keep up with him. Wow. And so that was like a light bulb went on and I went like, holy crap, your health is a choice of how you live. Yeah. And so that was when I realized, okay, I got to live as if I want to be him right yeah. at 78. And so that's when I, I joined the gym and I've never looked back since. And you work out daily? I work out like literally this morning. First thing I did this morning is I put on, I put on a 30 pound vest, vest oh, nice. and ankle weights and oh, I go walk nice. like two miles. Okay. I have the ankle weights, <laughs> but I think I need to do the vest because yeah. I've heard a lot of trainers and people saying that, you know, having that body weight kind of centered yeah. is, uh, that extra weight centered is really great for. Yeah. They're calling good... that. I mean, people are calling it rucking. I guess. I don't know if you heard that no, term. Yeah. No. So they're calling that rucking, which is like you put on the, like a backpack. You, a lot of people are just oh, buying yeah. like a backpack yeah. and you just load weights into it. I bought the, uh, the vest because I wanted the weight front and back. Yeah. And so I just got a, a 30 pound vest and, and I've been wearing that in the morning. So I do that on my off days. So I either go to the gym and I train really you heavy. go to gold? No, I don't. Okay. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in Santa <laughs> Monica not... anymore. So oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're not doing the gold, not the typical the influencer. Yeah. No. <laughs> No, but I, uh, I, I, you know, I go to the gym. I'm very much in my own zone. Like I put on my headphones and I just like train, you know, Same. but I'm, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm kind of like in my zone. I just turn up the music and I can go. And yeah. like... But I mean, I, again, is a guy at my age, like you train differently for who you are, what your goals are, and even the decade of life. Like yeah. that's the other thing I don't see people talking about that, you know, is someone who was a personal trainer and an advocate for exercise. Like you train for a different purpose in your twenties and thirties than you do in your forties and fifties and sixties. So it's like, I, I've actually thought about writing a book on this actually is like, what different do you, age? like, yeah. Like what's the, what's the training great. strategy per decade? And hormones of different, you know, in your twenties, your thirties, what happens every, you know, 10 years to your hormones, you know, and things that you can implement every 10 years because your body's constantly changing. Yeah. That's actually a great, great idea. Cause I think yeah. a lot of people get confused, especially as you get older, you notice these changes. So yeah. you should always be like thinking about these things, you know, and also, with working out, you know, injury is a huge thing. Yes. So it's like you need to keep up the muscle, but you also don't want to do activities where yes. you might injure yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also too, that depends, like, again, like I said, for a guy at my age, because I want to maintain like testosterone levels mm-hmm. and, you know, human growth hormone levels, because those are things that are dropping the fastest. Yeah. It's like, I got to train like max effort lifting. Yeah. So, yeah. so you kind of got to train almost like you're like a power lifter a little bit, you know what yeah. I mean? But mm-hmm. you again... 
if you don't have a foundation and you do that, you can. that's when guys get injured because they try to lift too much weight and they haven't built the foundation for their joints and their connective and tissues. And they have toxins in yeah, their body. Yeah, and so, then they like, so then they go to pull like a max deadlift at a cross lift, CrossFit gym and they haven't really uh, built the foundation and then it's like they throw out their back or they the throw back out the is ankle. back the worst. It's so you know, hard to recover. Yeah, and so uh, fortunately, like I said, I, I knew all this because of my background in exercise science that when I got back into the sort of heavy lifting, I spent almost, be quite honest, like almost two years building myself back up to what I'm lifting now. Oh, and nice. now I'm lifting the heaviest of my life wow. at age 50. Wow. Congrats. So, that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, that's a, I, I, people are always like, oh, it's my age. I'm exhausted or I can't do these things because, you know, I'm getting older. Right. And I'm like, no, that's just, that's not how you're supposed to be. Like, yes, things do change, but you can like, you know, do things to prevent like exhaustion and muscle like loss and everything. I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, there are some challenges. I think to be quite honest, it's even a little bit harder for women post-menopause than it is for men at this age Yeah, because of the hormone levels. I think, you know, and I don't, I'm not an expert on that, so I don't really know enough details to really have an authoritative opinion, but I've heard from a lot of the the, the thought leaders, you know, who to speak specifically to women, postmenopausal women, about some of the challenges and some of the ways. That, like, I think you have to strategize, right? You got to strategize for your demographic, your your uh, natural orientation, your your gender. If we can even talk about gender anymore, uh, you know, <laughs> your biological sex. I guess we should say not gender, your biological sex, because okay, the hormones yeah. between men and women are different. Yes, exactly. Uh, and so, a yeah, and so there is a, there is a bi- some biological differences there that do impact the way you train and how you plan your performance and exercise, especially for exercise. Yeah, you know, but exercise is really only one of the six pillars that I usually think about when I think about health, like longevity and health. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what are these? What are these six pillars? They're, they're the ones that everyone talks about, right? Okay, sleep. You know, sleep. Yeah, you can guess them. Yeah, uh, sleep. Nutrition. Yes. <laughs> See, I didn't even tell you. <laughs> okay, exercise. Yes. So three, um, hydration or nutrients. Yeah, no, no, that usually falls Blood under. Work, what are the, uh, what are, what's, uh, well, what are the, we're talking, those are, are important. Yeah. But we're talking about the big buckets, right? So the big buckets are like sleep, nutrition, exercise, and then obviously the other one I always talk about is mindset, right? Mm, mental health. Mental health. And, okay. and the thing I think, you know, mental health is sort of is a very wide term, encompasses a lot. A lot of times I think mental health is actually fundamental because you have to deal with that before you deal with anything else. Like you can't start coaching a person on sleep if they're stressed to the max and I know. miserable. And, but I also think... You know, your physical affects your mental and your mental affects your physical. Here we have, this is where you have what's called a negative feedback loop, right? So it's like you're not sleeping. So you're not sleeping. So you're miserable. Yeah. And so you're miserable. You're depressed. So then you binge eat at night and that means you don't sleep. And then you don't sleep, so you're more miserable and you keep making worse and worse choices because you're suffering from lack of sleep. And so it's like it's a negative feedback loop. And so this is one of the biggest problems with health is health usually involves breaking some type of negative feedback loop Mm -hmm. that most people are already embedded in. Yeah. Even the healthiest people, like even myself, I'm sure you, I'm sure everybody listening, no matter how healthy you think you are, I guarantee you, there's some negative feedback loop in your life. More sleep. Yeah. That, that you could probably get improvements from. Yeah. If you got out of it. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's these habits that you just get used to and then, you know, you just keep doing them. Yeah. Yeah. So, so mindset. So, okay. So we got sleep, exercise, nutrition, mindset. There's two, I used to, people usually only talk about this four, but I've recently added two more because I feel like they're the two that are often, they're so fundamental and they're so obvious, but they're often not overtly stated in these podcasting health context. I think, but I think they're really important. Okay. Let's hear it. So relationships. Oh yes. I was just, there was like the Harvard study from the 1930s saying that relationships. The longest longitudinal study in the world on health, on longevity. Yes. Yes. So that is, I should have known that because that's huge. And I think if you're in a negative, any type of relationship, it's causing stress, affects your hormones. And yeah, that study you said that. Yeah. That's one of the main things for longevity. But if you think about that, that's similar <laughs> to a lot of this talk about longevity, but blue zones. Okay. Yeah. Because most of the people in those blue zones are embedded into communities, right? Loma Linda, right? Japan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in Italy. Like there's a very, there's a cultural environment that they exist within where they have multiple generations often, like interacting. So like you're embedded in a community of people who care for you. Mm-hmm. So you want to live. Yeah. And I think this is such a fundamental thing that isn't talked about in the longevity community. It's like the first rule of longevity, right, is don't die. Well, the only reason you don't want to die is because you love life. I know. If you don't love life. You don't care. You don't care. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's, that should be the first thing we talk about when we talk about longevity and health span. I know, wanting to live long. Why would, what's your reason? Yeah. For yeah. living. Uh, you know, some people it's like, well, my family, I love my, I want to be here for my grandchildren and great grandchildren. Yeah. Some people it's like, I'm, I'm so passionate about the work I'm doing in the world. That's going to keep me going. But I think that actually in many ways should be the first thing we talk about and you, trust me, you, nobody wants to live if they're not embedded around people that love them. Yeah. Yeah, that's really true. And I, it's strange to me because sometimes you hear people like, well, if I live to 60, I'll be, I'll be pretty happy. You know, right. like some people you hear and I'm like, what? Yeah. But yeah. like I just, there's so much I want to accomplish and do. And I feel like there's so many beautiful things around me. I don't right. know. I get excited. I want to live right. a long, healthy life. Well, like I've traveled the world extensively. <laughs> I've been, I did like a Did a you test. do the blue zones? Uh I've been to those countries. I haven't specifically visited all the blue okay. zones specifically. I would love but to been, go to, and then do all podcasts. Yeah, there. that's <laughs> that's a cool. That's a cool. That's a cool podcast idea. You I should know, try that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Interview the, the blue zone podcast. You yeah, know? yeah. But I actually think the blue zones are a little overhyped to me. To be quite honest, like I think that idea is. Is it's a useful idea, but I mean, again, what's more interesting is just generally even like the centurions, right? Like why yeah. do people live to a hundred, or, or even it doesn't even have to be a hundred. Like again, my grandfather, I'll use it as, again as an example. You know, like he till eighty five, he was working every day. Yeah, same with my grandpa. Yeah, you know, and really? so you know. And he just loved what he did. He was a barber uh, and he, you know, but he was a barber back like in the day, like in World War II, barbers did like minor surgery and stuff like this, you know? Mm -hmm. So he ran a barber shop and up until the day 85, you found them every morning in there at 6 a.m. sweeping the floor and cleaning up and getting the store ready to be opened. And he, he, that was his routine. 
and he was passionate about what he did and he loved talking to people because, mm. you know, I think I think barbers and hairdressers often are also therapists, Yeah, right? that's what yeah. I tell my hairstylists yeah. every time, like, you're my yeah, therapist. Yeah, they're really. also therapists. So they end up being really, you know, like bartend, some bartenders, you know, like they're always talking to people. I know. And people are sort of like sharing with them all the time. So, you know, so I look at like why did he keep going, you know, is because, and also he came from the generation where, that type of discipline was very important. You know, he was raised, you know, on a farm in a very disciplined environment. So when you talk about like, why is our health falling apart? I think, be quite honest, I would say this is not often stated on, on longevity podcasts, is, but I think discipline is also mm. part of what's missing is we're having, we're entering a period of society where people aren't willing to be uncomfortable with their actions. And mm-hmm. they say, well, if that's too hard, I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. Oh, this relationship is too difficult. I'm out. I quit. I break up with them. This exercise routine was was more than I, I want to deal with. I want So people want to be comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, we're very comfortable right at yeah. this time. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, you have to be willing to be uncomfortable. So is that um, your sixth one? No. The, actually, okay. that's a good one though. <laughs> I could add that. And no, the, I mean, actually it does tie in though, because the yeah. sixth one to me, is actually nature, oh. is realigning. Oh, I should have known these, yes. Is realigning with the natural it's, world. So mm-hmm. what does that mean? Well, that means that you should spend some time walking barefoot on the earth. You mm-hmm. should spend some time breathing, look, in, breathing fresh in fresh air and getting you know morning sun into your eyes without sunglasses. Yeah. You know? So like when I went for my walk this morning with my, I don't wear my sunglasses. Right? Okay. So I do that, that natural light, that just, natural light first thing in the morning, you know, and you do 10,000 steps or uh, typically yeah, I got my aura <laughs> ring on. So that okay. tracks my steps. Okay. And um, you get good so sleep. You're now like, I'm, I'm a professional sleeper. Sleep has never <laughs> been my issue. Like I'm a very good sleeper. Do you get about eight hours or I, I can do pretty good on seven, but I try to get eight. Okay. Um, That's pretty good. I usually, you know, but I'm very consistent, very consistent with my sleep, but I train myself after many, many years as a traveler. So I traveled a lot and I'm like, going to see what's like traveling is hard on the body. Exactly. So I trained myself through traveling that when it became that eight hour window, it's like, I'm gone. I'm out. I said, you could put me like you said, okay, we're going to sleep now here on this floor. And I was like, you could could do it. This is your eight hour window of time to go to bed. I would be like, okay, let's do it. And I'll just pass out. (laughs) Like I just need a little bit of a pillow maybe. So you don't take any melatonin, whatever. You're just I'm a professional sleeper. I, but I think that comes from, I I lived in a Buddhist monastery for a little while and I studied a lot of meditation, a lot of yoga practice, a lot of breathing practice. So I learned how to align my, like how to train my autonomic nervous system to turn Turn on the parasympathetic. So it's like now I'll decide kind of cognitively, it's time to turn off the sympathetic mind, go into parasympathetic activation and go to sleep. Mm -hmm. But that came from, again, decades of training. Yeah. So now it's like time to go to bed, turn it off, down. I know. I'm 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 typically a really good sleeper, but starting this podcast and some other things, <laughs> I have my mind has been spinning a lot right. at night and I notice I'm having kind of a hard time going to bed. And yeah. then I like I automatically wake up at six, six thirty every morning. Right. So if I don't go to bed early, I'm not getting my full 
I mean, I think that's also sense a sign of being highly motivated, though, because you're excited <laughs> for the day, right? It's like, you yeah, know, you get I know. up and I'm you're like, There's so passionate. much I want to do and yeah. stuff. So, yeah, it's just like my mind's spinning now. And I've noticed my sleep has not been the best. Right. So now I got to I gotta work on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely, I, I mean, I don't know if you, how much, I mean, do you live in this area in Santa Monica? Um, Marina. Yeah. So yeah. do you ever do walks on the beach in the morning or anything um, like that? There's, or just and there's always morning of like beach events and right. everything. So I, I should. I live like right on the water in the marina, which is great. Well, that's um, why I have the sixth point about aligning to nature because I find, and this is just this is just observation. I, I'm a very strong scientist and I don't like to promote things that haven't been validated, but there is some validation on this that, yeah, I mean, aligning yourself to those cyclical rhythms of nature do often have a massive impact on sleep. So it's yeah. like if you get up in that morning, if you get up at 6.30 and the first thing you do is a 20-minute walk barefoot on the sand on the beach, okay. you might be surprised how much that might impact your sleep. Okay. Because, you know, and one of the other things I notice for myself, for my sleep, based on my aura ring and my whoop, is that the harder I train that day, the, the better, better sleep. my sleep is as well, because my body is physiologically tired. So it's like, it has to get that recovery. So the body recognizes you really got to get recovery in. So we're going to put you to sleep type of thing. Yeah. So I've been finding that that's been an interesting observation too for, for myself, my own end of one. I need to do grounding for sure. Yeah. I, I, I go work out in the mornings. Right. I do like a little, you know, gratitude journal coffee. And then I'm like, okay, I'll go work out. But you know, it's on the rooftop. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. I, like I said, that's why I think, I think that's one of the big things for me when you talk about why we're so sick, I think it's because we're moving further Divorce and further from away from nature. And I think it's important that we bring that back up because yeah. the more we go into this like AI, like tech, high tech world, um, I think that people are underestimating the negative impact on our physiology by becoming so misaligned with the natural rhythms of the world. I know. And I, know. I, I don't think that can be... Even like farming or whatever, we used to put our... I didn't, but <laughs> people used to, you know, and they'd put their hands in the soil and get probiotics, AS, like all these yeah. little things that, you know, people used to do. We didn't realize like the, how much that was impacting their health for the better. And now we've taken all that away and now we're more in concrete or like, you know. So, the, so, so Aura just released their results from a global sleep study. Okay. Uh, of who slept the most in, by country and who slept the least. And so the top two countries for sleep were Ireland oh. and New Zealand. Two very, two oh. islands with a lot of fresh air where people probably live closer to the natural rhythms. Mm-hmm. And they slept the most. And you know who slept the least? Us. <laughs> no, no. U.S. was like, U.S. was was actually not bad. It was like somewhere in the upper middle. Okay. But the least was Japan and South Korea. Oh. Highly technical nations where people spend a lot of time on their phone. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to Tokyo. No, or, I have or, not. You know, or if, you've been, been, if you go I'm, to South Korea or Japan, I mean, they're highly you know, to high technology societies, at least in Tokyo, there's parts of Japan that are extremely 
like you, you're deep into nature and they're very much aligned with those rhythms of nature. But I bet you those people didn't have aura rings. Yeah. I bet you most of the Japanese who had aura rings were in, in Tokyo. The city. Yeah. And so I almost guarantee you that between South Korea and Tokyo uh, and Japan, I almost, I would guess they're probably in the big cities in those countries. And they're so, you know, you're, you got that neon light, you know, you, are you, artificial light on all the time and they slept the least. Are you thinking also EMFs as well? Because I know everyone, or, you know, a lot of people in the longevity space right. will take out their Wi-Fi, like all that, and they say that they'll sleep better. So, I, I mean, again, I, I did a post this week about um, that will not make me popular, but again, part of what <laughs> we do at Proven is like we try to look at the science to validate behind the claims that these wellness influencers make. Okay. So one of the things that a longitudinal study came out, for example, that there was absolutely no study that has ever proved that blue blockers improve sleep and reduce eye strain. Okay. There's been, they, they did a, the glasses a, as well. Yeah, the, like, the blue, okay, so, so this so, is just all. So the blue, so, so, <laughs> so here's my theory about the EMF one, because the EMF, there are mixed studies mm-hmm. on EMFs mm-hmm. and I don't have enough data to give you what I would give you. Like, this is just sort of a general opinion. And like any scientist, I'm happy to be proven wrong. So it's like, if this opinion is incorrect, I'm continuing to follow the data uh, and I'll, change my opinion as it goes. But currently, based upon the data I do have, this is my thoughts. There is a percentage of the population that are what you might call EMF sensitive. Uh, yeah. I don't know what that number is. I think it's relatively small. I think it's probably less than 5%. If okay. that. But I have heard anecdotally stories of people who lived in a town or an area that as soon as like smart meters came in, they got cluster headaches yeah. out of nowhere. And they didn't even know why. They At first, they were like, I don't know where this is coming from. And they found out through investigation that there were all of these new sources towers. of EMF, uh, yeah. towers, 5G, <laughs> whatever it is, uh-huh. that came in and they started to have health consequences. So those people, literally some of them like moved to Montana or Iowa because it was so severe. Wow. And they were forced to do that. And I know... Do you know where this was? Uh, all over the country. I've heard stories anecdotally from people who have served these populations. There's a company, I don't know if you've heard it, called Defender Shield. No. So a lot of people ended up going to the people at Defender Shield because Defender Shield was one of the early brands on okay. EMF mitigation technologies. Okay. So I would, I knew, I know uh, the founders. So I, I know, some, I was, and I spoke to them very early on and they were telling me they were just hearing people come to them with this situation come up. So I do believe those people are not crazy. I think it's yeah. unfair. I think it's a very unfair and thing I, we I do. I think it's helpful. I mean, these blockers or staying away from your phone yes. or, you know, I think, I don't think that's a huge impact on our health. Like there's so many other things we should probably right. focus on and think of before like focusing on that. Yes. If you're a crazy, you know, biohacker, longevity, I don't know, doing all the things and also, I noticed someone told me you don't like the word biohacker. <laughs> and I was yeah. going to ask you, is this why we, you we didn't can, go to the biohacking conference in Orlando? It's the first year I missed it. The first time oh, in like four or five years, maybe. You? 
Uh, <laughs> uh, we can get into that if you okay. want. Let's finish this thought first, but because I want to finish okay, the, EMF the EMFs. Thoughts. Yes, yes, so, yes. So, so there are people who have that, and I, like I said, I think it's unfair to call people crazy when they have this experience, right? So this is what a lot of the medical community does. They say, oh, it's all in your head. You're just having like a, a yeah. you know, a somatic episode. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. You know, psychosomatic episode. So I don't like doing that to people. I think it's fair. Yeah. So I do believe there's probably something going on there. My concern in the biohacking community, if you will, is the fact that people start talking about EMFs as if it's like situation critical. Yeah. And it's like, I don't care if you're eating junk food, you don't need to be worrying about EMFs. Like yeah, you need to be worrying about eating junk That's food. That's the bear. So, like so, start there. Yeah. You know? so, so this is my, my, this is my problem is that there's all these people who are like, you know, raving about the importance of blue blocking glasses and EMF mitigation, but the person isn't even exercising. Yeah. So it's like the biohacking space has become so gadget and orientated. And it's also implementing nature. That's like these things, all these things are just like the PMF mats, like, uh, you know, the sauna, the cold plunge. This is like going into the ocean and you can just, you know, grounding going on the sand. I mean, we live in Southern California. I just go for a walk in the desert. That's my sauna (laughs) treatment, hundred degree weather. Because this stuff's getting, (laughs) I mean, all this technology is really expensive. Yes. And so it's crazy. You know, a lot of people can't afford these biohacks. Yes. So Yes, it's great, and I think I'm I'm grateful that people can afford and do the research, like Brian Johnson or something, and spending two right. million, and he's you know providing information. But that's not the typical person, right. and most people can't even afford you know healthcare. Yes, and even I just was listening to something else. Sixty six percent of personal bankruptcies are from like a health bill or something. Yes. So I'm yeah. like, I I just heard that. I was like, wow. This isn't, you know, so this is the typical, I feel like, person. Right. And so then when you get into these biohack, these saunas, $4,000 here, peptides, you know, stem cell facials, another 15, 2,000. Yeah, yeah. Stem cell body makeover, 50 grand. Yeah, yeah. Like, (laughs) yeah, it's, so this is, so this is the argument. And I feel like, I feel like, I mean, I I stopped calling myself a biohacker like last year. I I mean, I spoke at an event in December of 2022 where I kind of, because I, presented on biohacking at a number of events, a number of podcasts I was brought on as a biohacker. And then in December of last year, I spoke at uh, the How Do You Health Festival in Austin, Texas. And I did my whole talk was basically like why I'm no longer calling myself a biohacker and why, and the reasoning behind it and why I'm moving to sort of a different dialogue. And, you know, we could, it's a whole talk, so I don't want to go through all of it, but I'll try to summarize it briefly is I feel like there's like three things that happened in the biohacking space, you know, since I started in it like five years ago or six years ago, almost. So I was a pretty early proponent of the term. Like I was trying to promote this, you know, way before a lot of other people were on board. are you a fan of Dave Asprey? (laughs) Well, here's... I do love, I love his... Here's my thing is that it's become like an affiliate pitch fest inside of the biohacking community, Mm -hmm. right? Like you go and it's just gadget after gadget after technique after buy this and buy that and buy this thing. And I, it's just like, oh, come on. Like, you know, we, we started with, to me, the fundamental idea of biohacking is sound, which is get a test, right? Apply the scientific method to managing your own physiology at an N equals one level. 
right? So what that means to me is the scientific method is like you do some type of analysis, blood baseline, genomics testing, wearable, then you apply an intervention, right? And you see if that intervention works for you. Because if you have an aura ring and I have an aura ring and I do this technique for sleep and you do that technique for sleep, we may get totally different results. I know. Yeah. So that's blood me, work. I'm yeah. always like, yes, I, there's supplements I take, but I do blood work. And I, that's why I think blood work is just an amazing thing you can do. Yes. Mostly covered through insurance, most yes. things. And so I always tell people, friends or whatever, I'm like, just go get some blood work. I know, you, you know, you've never, you don't really do this. You don't go to your doctor right. ever. And so, but it can provide you so much information and help you just like balance out all those nutrients in your body, which can change your energy, your health. Like, you know, your thyroid's low or right. something because you're not having selenium or these things in your diet yeah. and it can just do wonders for you. Just those little hacks, you know? Yeah. And so that to me is biohacking. So if we're yeah. talking about that, I support that. Yeah. But that is not what the biohacking community has become. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole nother beast. It's become <laughs> something else, right? It's become this like affiliate gadget technology frenzy. And if you really think about where it actually leads us is towards transhumanism. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that I've encountered is I've seen the space change over the last five, six years is that we have to face the fact that, you know, Neuralink exists. Mm -hmm. They got FDA cleared this year. That's so crazy. The idea of, you know, and, and as Elon Musk said, you know, your phone, right, your phone there is your neural interface. You're already a cyborg. If I take your phone away for a month, you're going to suffer extreme <laughs> physical and mental distress is if I took away a piece of your body. He calls it phantom limb syndrome. So we already have merged with technology. So we're really only one step away from transhumanism because we're already close Yeah. in terms of just the attachment to our phone. So we need to decide, right? So the biohackers need to decide, you know, do you, is that, are you okay with that? Like, I'm not saying it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. So I've decided that that's why I brought nature back in. I, my orientation is that I don't want to become a transhumanist biohacker. I want to be like a free range organic human, mm. but I still want to do all of the techniques with up to a certain point that allow me to, you know, be, be a, what, what Peter Atiyah calls the centurion decathlon. So I'm training is if I plan, like I'm training to live to a hundred. So I have to think about this in everything I do, right. From a health standpoint, like exercise, food, mindset, nutrition, nature, relationships, like what am I doing to be training for that centurion decathlon? Some people are just sitting by and waiting for like Neuralink and all of the nanobots to make them like live, you know, for New a organs. long time, new organs, like <laughs> organ replacement. So like some people are just really like that's, that, that could be a way yeah. that yeah. a certain group of people could extend their lifespan. Some people think indefinitely. Yeah. So you need to decide what side of that argument do you come out on? And that's when I, I realized that that's coming. Yeah. I was like, I'm disavowing biohacking. I'm I'm into health span. Okay. Because that means I want to optimize the amount of health I can get out of this orga organism that I currently occupy in this body. And so that's why I dropped biohacking and went to health span. So, are you for any of the like 
longevity hacks of like peptides or hormone replacements or stem cells. Yeah, I mean, so I am. I think, like I said, you need to decide what's your threshold. I know, right? and it's yeah, and yeah. we keep going further and further, and we're gonna have to get to a point like you know with genes yeah. like altering gene splicing, genes. CRISPR, yeah, I know. So you know? we're getting to that. Like we're, we're gonna we're, have to make laws, yes. and and the society is gonna have to decide. What we allow, yeah, because we can maybe. But we're not having that conversation. I know. <laughs> we have our history shows. We'll get there when that happens, and then we will. But know. we won't. We won't have that conversation because we did. We have that conversation when the phones the te- came out and the tech. Did no. anybody? Was there any informed consent that you were already merging your brain with your phone? No. Nobody told you that was what was going to happen. They just said, yeah. "Hey, buy an iPhone." Yeah, yeah. It's going to be make your life better. You and, bought an iPhone, and now. And then the Supreme Court, that you know, they have these tech companies come. In, but they don't really know how to take care of the situation. And so I feel like with this as well, they're not really going to know either like what's what's going to be allowed and what's you know, there's it's a yeah. gray gray area. Yeah, if you if you read the book Surveillance <laughs> Capitalism, mm. no, I haven't it heard is, of it. It is brutal because you realize what's actually like that to me is one is of it the new? most so No, is it- it's actually um uh, the woman is, uh, is like a Harvard professor, Shoshana Zuboroff, I believe I pronounced her name. Please excuse me if it's <laughs> wrong. Uh, she's brilliant. She's brilliant, but she's very academic. So it's a very thick read, the book. Okay. So like I probably, like I'm listening to it as a podcast, uh, as an audio book. Yeah. But even then it's like you can only digest so much. But I But know. her thesis is simply the fact that, you know, Google... Like what happened was, was that when, when they had the dot-com boom, Google had all of this data from search and they were forced into commodifying it quickly because the dot com, all the companies were going under. So Google was put in this position where they had to figure out what are we going to do? And they had said they were, their, their literally opening catchphrase was don't be evil. And they said that they were never going to sell ads. What? That was literally at the beginning of Google. They said that we do not want to be in the business of advertising. And their tagline was don't be evil. They wanted to serve the public good. But then when the dot-com crash happened, they had to find a way to commodify quickly. Mm. And all their investors said, look, you have the most robust AI data set on human behavior online. Sell ads. You have to sell ads because you know what people are looking for. So start giving them ads that target their needs based upon their searches. So what did they do? They built the largest data set on human behavior on the planet. That's a good way to look at it. And now they, know they don't think exactly, people look at it. They think of a they search know, engine. Yeah, now they know it, they have search engine is not it's they are in the they are surveillance capitalists. So what they do is they surveil the society through multiple systems. And with that data, they harvest, and what she calls this, us, we are not the product. We are the raw material that's being harvested like iron, like copper, like harvesting a forest. We are the raw material. Our behavioral data is the raw material they harvest, and then they sell that. That's what their business model is. I don't, I, I mean, they probably weren't meaning to be come to this, you know, I think it just slowly integrated into it. I mean, I actually, and that's how I, I feel actually, like with the health system, it wasn't like everyone just was like, let's be yes, at a table yeah. and destroy our yeah, health. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I actually find to me, 
personally. I think a lot of these conspiracy theory ideas of that sort of thing, like there's like the star chamber and it's like, you know, we're going to sit down and plan to like yeah, manipulate yeah. the humanity like this, yeah. <laughs> the puppeteer version of this. I mean, I do think, I do think it's a, I mean, it's nice because if you can just do that, you can blame somebody else for the problems that we have in the mm-hmm. world instead mm-hmm. of saying, well, look, we all kind of contribute, contributed in some way. Yeah to these problems. So, but I like that second option because if we all contributed to the problem, then what does that also mean? We can all contribute to a solution. Exactly. (laughs) So I like to believe that model of reality rather than the, you know, there's other people in control and it's not my fault. Yeah. Because that's very disempowering to me. I know. And if one person, that's why it's like what I'm doing, I'm just trying to spread awareness with health and knowledge and just like, hey, maybe don't eat that. Or like, you know, that's going to cause inflammation or go. I tell my friends all the time, I'm like, go get blood work. But like, I also want to be a good person. And I feel like your health is a big reflection of that because I'm more positive. I'm more, you know, and so I'm telling like, if we can bring health into everyone's life, I feel like you become kind of a better person. You're better mentally, physically and happier, more energetic. And then we can all kind of keep going. So like the more people you affect, the triple effect or the, you know, and so we can all just keep being better people. Right. And I'm grateful also that I have this awareness because I feel like a lot of people don't even have the opportunity to come to this awareness. Yeah. I I do think that's, I mean, that is always something we need to come back to is sort of like, you know, longevity and health advocates is like not everybody has the opportunities that we currently have to take advantage of this. Especially in Los Angeles. Yeah. So there's there's like, yeah, you mean you can see, yeah, you can, I mean, you walk around and you see like people who are just in really bad you know, dire straits. And yeah. so, you know, so we need to, you know, acknowledge that we're in privileged positions. You know, mm-hmm. we need to be careful not to like come off as like proletizing from the pulpit. Like everybody should do this, you know? Yeah. And so that's one of the other reasons why I, I've i kind of tried to carve my own space within this because I feel like there's a lot of, um, you know, I think there's there's a lot of people who are, speaking to that elite audience and that's great, but you know, how are we going to bring more people with us? Yeah. Right? I think that's where I think we're at the stage now where we can start looking there at least, right? Yeah. We can at least start looking there because it's still right now, things are expensive, but I really truly believe that the prices are going to start coming down in two to three years and these technologies will be able to become more adopted across the mainstream. I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with the innovation adoption curve. No. It's basically the cycle of how technology is adopted. So you have like at the early stage, you have like a small group of like innovators. Yeah. And these are like the very early people. And a lot of those innovators now have become like the thought leaders because they were the first people in, right? Mm -hmm. So these are a lot of the people running the top podcasts today because they came in early. Yeah. And so, but they were like part of this minority group. And then after the innovators, you know, and they're like, that's a small group. It's like 3% of the population. That's part of the innovator category. Then you have the early adopters which is like maybe another 10 to 15% of the population. So we're actually still in that phase in terms of longevity and biohacking and what have you. It's a small group. Yeah. And then... It's true. I always think everyone's in this. And then I, I realize because I'm, I'm in it that a lot of people are not even yeah. in LA, Venice. We're yeah, like... yeah. yeah, we're in our bubble. I mean, LA is a, is a crazy bubble for yeah. this because proportionately... Like I talk to international brands all the time. Mm-hmm. Every international brand in health and longevity wants to get into LA. 
That's what, yeah, that's because why this even is where with timeline nutrition, doctors, I'm like, you yeah. should be, because I think everything kind of starts here. Everything starts here. And it's been that way since the seventies. Okay. All yeah. the fitness trends. Yeah. Arnold all, Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> right? Like where did, you know, yeah. Where did that start? Even things like yoga, like where did the most yoga studios open? In right? LA. You know, like when they kind of hit, started to hit these critical mass. Like when I started doing yoga, you know, 20 years ago, I had to go to an ashram to do. Wow. So 25 years ago, I had to I go know, to an I ashram. I know, I forget these. These were not like, now they're on every corner. I When I started doing yoga, <laughs> I literally had to go, I went to an ashram and you know what I had, so I had to do a residential retreat we would spend like 12 hours a day in the yoga room. So we would literally go and we would do like two hours of meditation and then we would do like a, 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 a darshan, like a teaching. So there'd be like a teaching. And then you would do the yoga, which was sometimes like a two and a half hour class of wow. yoga. But it wasn't this type of like hot yoga, like trendy yoga. This was, was like, like very, very mental, very physical, mental. So we'd do, so we would do, we would go in, and we would start maybe with like like a, a teaching. Then they would do pranayama, breathing. Then you would do this very young, long yoga class that was very kind of orientated to getting to you in the state to go and meditate for an hour. So we might be in the room for like four or five hours sometimes Wow! to do this. You do that like once a week? Uh, well, no, I, well, I mean, the, whenever you, you would, could get what, it, <laughs> what, what you would do is you would probably go there and you would do that to learn it. And then I'd go practice on my own uh, for oh. weeks or months at a time. Like it wasn't this idea of you would go to the ashram to learn the technique so that you would go home and practice these on your own because there was no yoga studios in yeah, any corners. Yeah. So that was how I learned yoga. Yeah. You know, I know we forget that the, a lot of these things were not around. Yeah. You know? So I've, I mean, I've lived through those cycles, so I've had a chance to see that, but yeah, there was no yoga studios on the corners, like none. Wow. Now you know, they're everywhere. Now they're there's, everywhere. There's so I so saw many that health from the events beginning. Yeah. every around here. It's yeah. just like. But in um, LA, yeah. You're, so you're in this bubble in Los Angeles where I you know. feel like everybody is like biohacking or doing health stuff or like looking at longevity and doing peptides and doing like. All these, and even if they're not doing the, those things, they're probably doing beauty treatments. I know and that's Botox a whole other thing. <laughs> and you know, tummy tucks and like whatever yeah, else, right? Lifts, yeah, whatever. It's just crazy here. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like LA is a bubble, but you leave this bubble, and you realize that yeah, that's we're a not... tiny number of people that are applying this. I know. So to get from this small, narrow group that we live inside to a mass market audience, they have something that's called crossing the chasm. And so a bunch of things have to happen. Our messaging has to change. Our pricing model has to become more accessible. Yeah. The the way we communicate this to people has to like just continue Don't, to expand. And that's why I kind of also wanted to bring this podcast because I want it to be typical. I feel like a lot of these podcasts are very technical. Right. And I think a lot of people are not – the terms and everything right. just can get a, a lot for people. So right. I feel – I kind of wanted to make it more casual – Right. You know, learning a lot, but at the same time, like casual for the typical person. Right. Um, my my goal. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's good. I mean, that, that's exactly what we need because to cross that chasm, that's what we need. There's we need so multiple many doctors voices. and yeah, they, yeah. they get very, very, and it's a little sometimes too much for people. It's a little right. drain, you know, it's just, and then they won't listen. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just kind of trying to like bring that down to basic terms and realizing because when you're in this space, you just think everyone... Uh, my friends too who live here, um, they don't know a lot either. I mean, yeah. I'm constantly talking about this. So 
a lot of people are not aware of like healthier choices they can get at the grocery store. Right. Or like, you know, these typical like Well the simple trick to that, right? You know that one is you just walk in a square. You don't go into <laughs> don't any go of the, in the aisles. Don't go into, just don't go in stay out of the middle of the grocery store and you'll be yeah, better off. Because right? that's know. always you just walk But it's on hard when you know, I feel like <laughs> you'll go into a, a regular grocery store too and it's like all this stuff is just like right in front of your face at the yeah. registers, like the gums and the candy and like there's just so much of it yeah it's it's, like, it's astounding actually I, I know and it's not food it's like you look at these things and you're like the, how do people even think this is like normal to right. eat this like i don't know uh you know this well anything that comes in a package that was like anything that was human made in that particular way like if you really do think about it briefly like you said like if you just eat meats and vegetables or yeah. you know that's it what can humans do wonders have been eating. too. It's like we have all these health issues, but no one. And I'm like, don't you want to feel great? Like, I, I don't think people really think about this, but it's like, if I choose to eat this, I'll feel better physically and mentally. If I eat this, I'm gonna feel like crap most of the time. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll, I'll give you my personal nutrition story because maybe this will help anyone who's listening. Um, I told you I lived at the ashram. I studied in a Buddhist monastery. So I really became very... And then I studied exercise science. So when I was studying exercise science in college, I had a professor, my my biology professor, was a Hindu. And so he was very much against the eating of cows and generally against the eating of meat. He was vegetarian. Okay. So he gave us all these presentations of how showing us images of people who had like arthrosclerosis and had to have like heart surgery. And he even showed us like cadavers of guys who were like professional marathon runners, but they they dropped dead from a stroke. And he showed us like all of this like plaque in their arteries. So really kind of put in this idea in my mind that like if you eat these meats and all these things that it's really bad for your health. And so, and then I went and studied... Buddhist meditation and at the yoga ashrams and introduced the idea of a hisma, which is like doing as little harm as possible in your life. So I thought, okay, I need to become vegetarian, right? Like that's the right thing for, for the planet. That's the right thing for my health. That's the right thing for my spiritual goals. So I was vegetarian for 24 years. Okay. And you're not vegetarian anymore? Okay. I was so curious. I was like... So when I was in my twenties, I was Okay. When I hit 30, I started to notice like my health was deteriorating. So I started to eat fish. Mm-hmm. Then by the time I was like 35, I was like, it's still going down. So I started to add in chicken. And when I added in red meat several years ago and just said, I started to feel so much better. And then I went not just red meat. I went fully keto carnivore my health took off. That's why I'm lifting the heaviest weight of my life at age 50 because I'm now keto carnivore and I'm eating right for at least my body. Yeah. Yeah. So I do not metabolize carbs well. When I started going on keto, I was pre-diabetic. Wow. I was a, a very healthy person by every measure, but my blood, my fasting blood glucose was about 106 to 110. Wow. And I couldn't get it down no matter what I did until I spent, almost, it took me almost two years of very low carb keto to get my fasting glucose below 100. Wow. 
And you're still implementing. Do yes. You, do you do greens? I know like the carnival, you know, some people are uh, like that's the fruits, lion. That's the, fruits yeah, and yeah, meat. Yeah. And then, but I, I love broccoli. Yeah. No, I, I love, love broccoli. I love I know, broccoli. I love vegetables. Yeah. I'm like, I love, there's the, you know, the carnivore and Paul Saladino yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And he's all, and I, I think it's great what he's doing, but I also, I'm like, I'm just, I love my vegetables well, more than fruit. And I, mean, I think there's. Th- yeah. Great nutrients. There's like the oxal, what is it, the oxalates, and like yeah, all yeah. these things yeah, that they, could they, be. I mean, they're. I mean, I think we might have gone a little too. I mean, okay, again, there's some people who are doing what's called the lion diet, and it's meat and salt. And that's it. Meat and salt. That's it. Uh, I. That's, we that's, need to uh, have a micro, like, like a, a diverse microbiome. <laughs> like I, these things, the polyphenols, right. all these little like you know the colors and the fruits and vegetables. Like well, what is tr- Jordan Peterson's daughter, Michaela Peterson? So Jordan Peterson and Michaela Peterson, who both have you know very far-reaching podcasts, are both on that lion diet. And make, I saw an interview just the other day with I think it was Piers Morgan where he was talking to Michaela Peterson, and she's been on it for six years. Wow. Nothing but meat and salt. And good blood work. Great blood work. Yeah, apparently she's she's thriving on it. Wow. So, I mean, and they and literally, and they, too, they, they asked her, is like, he asked her, is like, what do the doctors say about this? And she says, they, they're surprised that I'm not dead. Like they, the doctors think she should Has be dead. Has she done one of the calcium, like, art I don't know. Scan? I don't know. I okay. would love to know that. I know. I would love I'm so to curious. see that. I would love to know. If there's plaque if there's or like. any, like what, it, cause so for me. And nutrients. Like, so for me, I don't metabolize carbs. I don't metabolize gluten. Okay. So. Did you find that out with genetics or anything? Like uh, any genes that, that you might have? I found more through like CGMs, continuous glucose monitoring. Okay, yeah. And then also to be, I think it's actually, I think it's also because of 24 years of vegetarianism that mm-hmm. I built up too much like my, you know, I, like fat or yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I built up, uh, you know, I basically was burning out my pancreas, yeah. right? which is what most people are doing today. That's why people are becoming, that's why everyone's metabolically inflexible yeah. and everyone's diabetic or pre-diabetic. Like basically about 90% of the population is diabetic or pre-diabetic. So bad. I mean, it's, it's insanely I know, high. I know. So like, pretty much like the one thing everybody could do regardless of where they are in their health journey, unless they're under 25 and a professional athlete is probably cut your carbs way down. Yeah. Like that's just a very simple thing you can all do. And the best way to cut those carbs down is to cut out the processed foods. Yeah. I noticed, you know, there was one thing, my, I'm very healthy, organic, like everything, but there was one cereal that I just love, three (laughs) wishes. It's like a protein, somewhat healthy, right? but it wasn't organic. And I was like, okay, something's off still. So I took that out and I feel so much better. Like, I just feel like everything is stabilized now. Like my hormones, my ghrelin hormone, just all that, you know, and I've been also implementing, I don't know, liver. (laughs) I've been doing like taking a bite every day. And I feel great. That's great. Honestly, like I just, I feel like everything's more balanced. I feel like, you know. Have you ever worn a continuous glucose monitor to test your responses to foods? So did you find any foods that you particularly responded like with big glucose spikes to that surprised you? I was pretty healthy at the time. And then I was pretty, you know, I didn't eat. Especially when I had the monitor, I was like very cautious. No, 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 no. That's not how you use it. You should eat. How I typically am. And and you should even test it. So yeah. like what I did, for example, I don't typically eat sushi. The sushi. So Tell so, me that it's spiked because everyone who's had sushi in a blood glucose monitor said it spiked, spiked it the worst. Spiked it horribly for Crazy. me. Crazy. Every, everyone I've and talked I to has said Erewhon. sushi. I got it from Erewhon. I tried. I said, okay, I'm going to try sushi. I'm going to get the best sushi from Erewhon that I could possibly, which, you know, I know they have and good And it didn't have food. sauce or anything? 
Because that's what I was like. Maybe it's like sugar, sugar in the sauce, something they're the eating. Roof. One of the highest spikes I found wow. was sushi, sushi. So, for example, you know, I, I actually did a talk at Radfest last year where I put my... my Are you going to be at Radfest this year? No, unfortunately. Oh uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I actually have to fly to Brazil. Uh, oh, we, have, nice. we have to go to our, our lab down there, our oh. Department of Neuroscience, because we're launching some studies oh, in nice. Brazil. Well, so I'll be, be down there. Uh, unfortunately, but I do, I had a great experience there last year, and I, I was fortunate enough to ask me to speak. I was on stage, and I presented something called biosensors for longevity, and I did a talk mm-hmm. where I showed on the stage my continuous glucose monitor relationship between like a steak and a steak and sweet potato versus sushi, uh, sushi. and the, it was so leveled out with steak and sweet potato and massive spike with sushi. <laughs> So I, I don't know. I would think the protein from the fish would counterbalance the rice. But I, I don't know. I've heard this with so many people. At least five yeah. people have had yeah. blood glucose monitors so, tell so me sushi. So I think that's, that's what you should do when using the glucose monitor yeah, is try to, try to test your system. Like even eat something you don't normally eat. Like you go back to your cereal, right? Like, yeah. Like eat a big bowl of that cereal and see what happens. Oh, so because, I won't do it. I, you know, I just feel too good now. I was like that was kind of, you know ruining i feel like my my blood right. glucose and just all that so when i took that out i feel a lot better but one thing that affected i was actually in vegas and it was like a green juice that had apple yeah and i did i didn't i was like i was desperate for something healthy there right and I, so i had it and that was the one thing that spiked it the most it right. had kale spinach whatever and then it had the apple in it yeah it well but I don't, like, that's not just the apple it's just because when all the fiber are removed from the juices yeah, it just exactly. it's, you know, your body doesn't know what to do with that because it's in an unnatural state yeah that's you know? why i'm so like so fiber, people think that's protein, healthy i mean I, I trust me i was a vegetarian i used to think my green juice every morning was really healthy for me yeah and i wouldn't ha- you couldn't pay me to ha- eat one now yeah you couldn't pay me right now to have one of those and most people who don't do red meat have low iron i know like even my friend i was just over at her house she just did blood work i I was over having dinner with them and she got blood work done came back she also just had a baby so i don't know how much that oh yeah that's gonna have an effect yeah Yeah. but she uh yeah her iron was really really low because she's like i'm exhausted no, but she just does chicken and fish, yeah. I think, for the most part. So so this is where, again, where I think the blood work, like you were saying earlier, is key. Right? I know, because she's to, exhausted. She has to, a new baby. To, yeah, and she's you like, to, yeah, you need to look at your blood levels. So so here's the thing that I, I think, you know, uh, anyone who's listening or watching, I'd like to impress upon you is that your personal, psychological, and moral beliefs do not decide how your body works. Yeah. So I'm I'm a living testament to this. For 24 years, my personal and psychological belief was that I should be vegetarian, and I nearly destroyed my health for life. It's taken me years to recover. I know. So you may come from a religious and order. people really, I know, and it's hard it, for people to hear that, and they want to do it for the benefit, you know, and... And I'm not saying that people have to be carnivores. Some people can probably get by without eating and a lot of meat. Even Brian Johnson's doing his, v, you know, but uh, you, you have to put in a lot of work. Yeah, but not only that, though, but he is supplementing yeah. with, with protein, p- peptides, yeah. and he's taking testosterone, testosterone and yeah. human growth hormones. So this is the thing. What are you going to miss, I yeah. think, if you're Brian Johnson? This is my opinion, Brian. You know I love you. Um, <laughs> 
you know, he spoke at the Hellspan Summit, right? <laughs> so, so I'm a fan of what Brian's doing. I really, yeah. I, a lot of people hate on him, but I really appreciate his work. And he's putting but everything on display. He's just sharing it with the world. A so, lot of knowledge, so awesome, yeah. awesome to yeah. him for doing that. But I, my question was be, would be like, yes, you could be vegan if you're taking TRT and human growth hormone. Yeah. Because that's what you're going to lose. And people don't think about human growth. I mean, I just kind of started re- reading up on that because of the peptide space. Right. So I didn't even really think of that until yeah. recently and yeah. started, you know, researching. Or you can be doing like CJC epimorelin, yeah. which is the sort of like a precursor peptide. So you don't have to take hormone. the actual HGH, right? Because one mm-hmm. of the problems with taking like HGH or testosterone is that the body is extremely lazy Yeah. in the sense like if you say, oh, I'm going to give you testosterone, it's like, oh, great. I don't have to make this stuff anymore. Yeah. And that's why I'm people out. always will have to take it for the rest of their lives. So once you go down that path. You have to be very, you have to know. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. And I think it's the same with human growth hormone as well. Like you go down that path and that's why I think the CJC Epimorelin has become popular as a peptide because it's like the, it gives you that, that boost, mm-hmm. but you don't have to actually, you know, do the, the TRT and the human growth hormone. And then there's other peptides you can bring in, you know, so again, not prescribing anything. If you want to go down the <laughs> peptide path, go find a professional. Um, but, you know, there's some pretty great ways that you can start to, we, we have new ways that we're developing. Yeah. So that's why it comes to a point where it's like, then we have these hacks where it's like, we're starting to implement that we, yeah. we didn't have before either yes. to help our longevity. And then it's going to come to a place like, what should we allow and what should we not allow? Yeah. Yeah. You know? And then so what, I don't know what are the price f- points going to come down to? I know that too. I mean, the peptides are, they're expensive. Yeah. So uh, that's why all these things are pretty expensive yeah. and most people can't even just go to the doctor, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, like, yeah. so I'm like, oh, I don't know. But, yeah. yeah. Um, so with your health, uh, did you, what did you do when you were young? to fix your health, like your asthma and everything? So, I mean, I would say, so coming back to that idea of the decades. Yeah. So if you're in your 20s, you know, uh, I don't have a lot to say about pediatrics because I don't have any expertise in that field. So I'm talking to people maybe 20, between 20 to 30. Yeah, just my experience. So 20 to 30. So I would say in that decade, right, the thing that you have is you have, you're you're never going to have a more resilient body and nervous system than you will at the 20s. So you need to think about that as your foundational decade. You should be pushing the limits of your body and even your mind mm-hmm. to figure out like, because if you think about this idea of being anti-fragile, right? Being anti-fragile means that you can give me any input and it doesn't throw me off balance, right? Psycho- psychologically or physiologically. So that's when you just need to like, just go for it, you know? push yourself for exercise. I was competing in triathlons, you know, at the time I was trying to like, how hard could I train? You know, I was crazy. And you got to that point where you were able to breathe and like do yes. the, you know. I mean, I, what happened was, was, well, some of it I think actually came post puberty, just to be quite honest, like it was a natural evolution out of puberty that my asthma definitely got reduced. And then I just started going to the gym. And when I first started going to the gym between like 18 and 21 for those first three years, it, I, I struggled and I was inconsistent. I didn't have good discipline. I would sometimes go to the gym, sometimes I would not. And then like I started to just over those three years get more and more and more serious. And by the time I was 21, I you know, went to I was in college. I was doing studying exercise science. And I started, you know, I went and got my certification as a personal trainer. And I just started to just train every single day. Wow. And that laid the foundation 
Of your health. Of my health. Okay. So if so I you weren't like supplementing, like doing blood work. You never have you ever had mold toxicity? No. Okay. Uh, so I think I no, I don't think I got that test done actually. I haven't had any signs of that being anything okay. in my life. I so. had mold toxicity. Yeah. So yeah. I, I had some asthma too. I yeah. got to a point and so that was, you know, finally getting rid of the mold and stuff. Right. It's just life changing as well for yeah. me. So so I, you know, I mean you know, so all my labs now, I mean, now technically I'm not, I wouldn't, they wouldn't prescribe a statin, but my cholesterol is high. But if you look at the actual data, having high cholesterol, there's a certain level of cholesterol that's moderately high that actually is showed to have a correlation to increased longevity. Mm-hmm. So the cholesterol problem, like I don't want to go down that path, but it's a I bit know, of a messy, there's a messy, whole, messy yeah, whole thing about cholesterol. Debate, yeah. But other than that, my, you know, my <laughs> blood work is, is extremely good. There's a couple things that I'm working with, again, just because I'm aging for man of my age. Yeah, I'm trying to get yeah. my testosterone levels up a little bit yeah. more. It's also part of the reason why I lift heavy. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, I, and, and I'm starting, I'm just now starting to get more into like peptides, exosomes, stem cells. But like you said, they're very expensive. Yeah, they're you very know? expensive. I think they're great. I'm I'm for, you know, all for peptides, everything. Um, as for me, you know, I've had my blood work. I've done these things. My nutrition's there. So I'm kind of, you know, going, it's almost like biohacking or this longevity space is somewhat like you can look at it as an athlete where it's like, People are trying to like be like the top of the top, you know. So, well, but I, you got to get the foundations, right? Because, yes, so it's exactly. like coming back to where we started. But like, if you're not getting sleep, yeah, and nutrition, you're not yeah. exercising. Like, do those first. Don't, yeah, don't don't yeah. just be like, oh, I'm gonna start taking peptides. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, eating sleeping? real food, I think, is just magical. Like, yeah. if people just start eating real food, that's like, and and if you start just really f- testing the limits of your body, I mean, you know, yeah. if you'd be surprised, like if you think. Especially, okay, this, to me, I have a bit of a feeling about this around mental health, right? So right now we live in a world that's incredibly unpredictable and overwhelming. Yeah. And you have, but the thing we have to realize, we don't, part of the reason you f- we so, feel so overwhelmed is because we have no control over what's going on. Like we see fires happening and we see people dying and, and it's like you feel helpless. It's like I want, I, you know, if you have, have any empathy in your soul anywhere, you're going to feel disturbed yeah. with what's going on in this world. Yeah. Right. And people hurting. Um, that's kind of like my passion for health is because I want people to like, I feel like people are hurting, you know, it's traumatic when you have a disease or yes. something like just like a fire or these other things. I feel like that's also a huge factor of like stress and, you know, right. all this on our on Yeah. Our A4M had their event. They called inflammation, the fire within was one of their events oh. last year was talking about that. So it's like the fire in the body. So there's, there's a correlation there. But, but just to finish the idea, you can't make the world change. Yeah. But there's a few things you have control over, right? And you can control these things that you put into your, into your own life, at least to some degree. If you're in the position that you cannot, again, even some people are, are struggling in life, maybe they don't have that options. But if you do and you start to take control of that, it actually is good for your mental health mm-hmm. because like, like not only do you get all of the endorphins and the happy chemicals from exercising, but when you start to control how your body is operating through exercise and nutrition and sleep, you feel like you're contr- in control of some part of your life. Yeah. And, and I feel like also mental the mental health. part, is, like I've read many books now too, like over the past few years that have really helped me just like have a different thought process, you know, just of gratitude or whatever these yeah. things, like you can kind of control what you're thinking. Like I don't yes. have to put my thoughts towards this situation. I can think of, I could put my energy and my thoughts towards 
a situation I choose. Right. So like these little things too of kind of like exercising my mental health yes. has also really impacted well, my... Well, and that's the idea behind meditation, right? Or or reframing, if you want to use NLP, in an NLP term, right? Is the idea of like, where are you orientating your consciousness towards? Yeah. So if you're orientating... It's crazy. If, you, like, if you're orientating to like all the doom scrolling on your feed... Yeah. You're going to have... You're going to have that mental like... Yes. You're just going to have anxiety and worry and fear. And so it's like... I, yes, I want to be aware of these things, but I also want to focus my attention on like a lot so of beautiful things. So I that deleted I'm... all the social media apps off my phone. Really? <laughs> yeah, except LinkedIn. I use LinkedIn. Okay, okay. But but I even had Instagram up until a few weeks ago, and I found myself doom scrolling actually because I have a lot of friends in Maui. Oh, even. yeah, um, I know, I know. And, uh, and I love and Maui. It was, yeah, and that was horrible. And I was just starting to feel myself like Getting... it wasn't. The, it, 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 I mean, the, it's just so much going on. And I yeah. just realized that, so I took it, so I, I still have them on my tablet to look at them like a couple needed. times a week yeah. or whatever. I didn't delete them completely, but I took them off my phone. So it's not easy for me when I'm like sitting at the airport or whatever to scroll. So now I have to do something else with my focus and attention. Yeah. I was just talking to someone too. It's really, he used to live in, in Maui and then he was kind of getting like really upset. So he said he had to like stop because yeah, Yeah. it is, you can go down a rabbit hole and it's like, yeah. And, and, and what's happening too though, is because of the way the news cycle is, is like when any tragedy happens, then all these people are coming in with all their opinions and creating all these stories around it. And it's like, you can't, you don't even know what's true anymore. I know. And And you're not there. You're not there. So it's like, I can't form an objective opinion, you know, And, and my whole, you know, and you can only do the, what you can do too. Like that's why I'm like, if I can do something, I'll do that and help. Right. But you know, me getting upset and worrying or is not going to you know change anything. Yeah, exactly. So it's not that's helping why, anyone. You're just yeah. you're just creating more misery that's why inside news your own and mind. stuff. I'm like, okay, it's not. You're, if you're going to do something about it, then go do that thing to help whatever situation you're getting you know upset about. But I think a lot of the times people just put so much time and get and energy into the news or these negative things. Right. And then and it just affects the them the most. With people on Twitter yeah, and stuff and like then this. You're so, like, yeah. then, then your health decreases because you're stressed and like, you know, all yeah. this. And it's like, so that's why so we also need to like. putting down the phone yeah, and going for a walk on in the nature beach, yeah. on the beach. <laughs> take off your sunglasses. It can do wonders too. I mean, we're really great. I'm really grateful that I have access to the beach because, some, you yeah. know, you just go to the beach sometimes and you're like, wow, this is. Well, but everybody Beautiful. has probably access to nature Some somewhere. Nature. Oh, somewhere, yeah. somewhere. I mean, even in, I mean, that's why I and mentioned. And walking. Like, yeah. walk, anyone can walk. It doesn't take workout clothes. It doesn't take, you know, yeah. equipment or money. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, just walking can do whatever. Yeah, just start health. walking whatever you can. I mean, even if someone's yeah. severely obese, if you can only walk five minutes, five, walk five minutes. And next day, a couple of days later, you walk six minutes and then seven minutes. And yeah. like, like that's, and see that's, the change. That's the journey on all of this. And I can still tell you, that's what for me always comes back to that like kind the of root. That root of it is just, you know, uh, and also measuring it a little bit. Like even like when I did my walk today, like the first time I put on that vest, I think I was at, um, for the walk, I was at like 29 minutes the first time I did this loop and now I'm down to like 27 minutes. So I just mm. like to track that to just see, can I do the same distance and go just a little bit faster over time? You know, and this kind of, you got to make sure that you're also, because one of the other things that happens in health and fitness is people plateau. 
Yeah. I saw this a lot as a personal trainer. Mm. People would often come to me either because they were starting to exercise or they felt they had plateaued. And that was the two people that I often would see. Would see. Because they like, I'm training, I'm coming to the gym, but I can't. And if they plateau, you would just recommend different workouts? Yeah, you would have to. So you would have to do something. I guess uh, there was an idea that came out, I don't know if you probably don't remember it, but there's this idea called like muscle confusion, Mm -hmm. which is the idea that if you, you know, if you train to only do a bench press, you become really good at doing a bench press. But you may not be good at doing a push up. You may not be good at running. You may not be good at uh, skateboarding or all these other sports. So, really, a lot of what really makes a lot of sense, especially for those looking for that optimization, is doing like consider yourself like doing like multi sport events. Again, I'm training for the Centurion decathlon. So, I want to live to 100, right? So, I'm on my health span. That's my plan. The health span is 100. You are an athlete. It's a whole athlete. Exactly. So, it's okay. What do I need to be able to do? Well, I need to be able to. I need to be able to do deadlifts and squats, but I also need to be able to walk. Yeah. And I also should be able to play sports and I should also be able to swim. And prevent I should... injury. I mean, that's why we need muscle and to prevent, you know, hip injury or that you don't yeah. fall. It's yeah. like one so, of those. So you need to be thinking about all of those different things. Like, you know, so you can be training like, and I, I said, I really like that idea because it brings out the athlete in me. So now I'm training for an athletic performance, but not to go and like get the best time at a race or to get on a podium or something like that, but to just actually be able to live a, a, a life with a, a high health span. Yeah. And so now I'm training with that mindset. So it's like you have to design it consciously. Yeah. So do you take supplements? Yes. Okay. Do you take a lot? Are you doing like, do you do, do it based off of your blood work or I do it multi- off based, based off my blood work. Uh, I'm Small. always, be quite honest, experimenting with different supplements. Like, like what, what? <laughs> I'm taking some taurine. I'm taking the, yeah. I don't know. I just, I switch all the time. Well, I think that's also part of what I said before with this idea of muscle confusion. I'm not convinced that taking the same supplement indefinitely is a good idea. Mm. The supplement companies may not like me saying this, but like no, is their business that, model is... And you is, don't want your body to get used to it. Yeah. So I often do a lot of cycling with my supplements and I'll take one and then I'll try to see... And also too, I try to change see one how, at a time and see if it moves same. the needle. Yeah. And just how I feel. Yeah. It's like so some things affect everyone differently. And and some of them are really hard to quantify because you don't because you don't exactly know like they're not always observable change like for example like NMN yeah you know there's a lot of really good science about NMN and I yeah. do take an NMN supplement okay but I can't point do you take omega three supplement I cycle that uh, okay okay yeah so, so but I NMN. can't like but NMN like like I'm kind of taking that because I believe in the science behind it. But I can't point to something in my life yeah. where it's like, oh, the NMN is creating I know, X. I know, I know. I do take though. I also take Truniagen, which I, the NR. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I. So you got to choose, like NMN, NR, yeah. niacin. Like you know, yeah, which, what are you going to choose? And like, how do you know? It's, and the it's, NAD. I just had the patches. Someone sent yeah. me the pat- ion layer. Thank you. Well, so that's what uh, we do at Proven <laughs> is we're actually taking those products. Yeah. We're putting them through trials. Okay, so that's what Proven is. Yes. Okay. So, so you, we take these wellness products, okay. whether they're a digital device or a, a supplement or whatever. Or even peptides? I was, uh, I well, know. peptides, that's med- more in the medical space. So okay. we're staying outside of medicine. medicine. We're staying in wellness. Okay. And tech. 
Yeah, and okay. tech. So, so they have to be wellness products, right? So we're not treating or curing a disease, but we're looking at performance, right? Okay. Health, health improvements. And what's considered actually in the industry like a health claim. Okay. So if something, say, improves... You know, these uh, gadgets of like, you know, the yeah, head. like, like even sleep can actually be a health claim, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, improves, uh, we do sleep latency, right? With sleep latency is the time from when you put your head on the pillow till you fall asleep. That's a metric. Okay. So, you could say that a product is in the, uh, so actually, you know, has reduced sleep latency. You could also say, a supplement increased deep sleep potentially. You could put aura rings on a hundred people, give them a supplement. supplement. You would do a baseline with the aura ring, right? So you do a baseline with the aura ring. So I know what is your normal deep sleep levels. I give you a supplement for a month. I continue to measure your deep sleep. And at the end of the month, I can see versus baseline versus intervention phase, did your deep sleep change? Now, if your deep sleep changed, I can say, well, this supplement supplement (laughs) had an impact on your deep sleep. So when a company comes and says, our product is going to improve your deep sleep, it's like, well, let's prove it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That it's, I didn't know exactly what this, what, you know, the website's a little... Yeah, we haven't fully launched yet, actually, oh. because so we haven't we're launching in October. So okay. we're operating wow. kind of in stealth Congrats. mode right now. Okay. Because we're we got our first whole cohort of companies. We're starting studies. That's why I'm going to Brazil in a couple of weeks. Okay. Because we're actually conducting some more research in Brazil. In some Brazil. of it's in the US. Okay. So we have we have institutional partners so, around the world. So we have Europe, the US, Brazil, India. Wow. Um so so somebody can approach us and we can partner them with an academic institution. And if they want to do this, it's fully, it can be a fully double blind placebo controlled clinical trial that can be published in a journal. So we can go IRB, this will be on clinicaltrials.gov. This is a fully publishable study. Wow. But it's for wellness brands. We're not doing, so not doing, not doing medical claims. Okay. Okay. But if the wellness industry is going to cross the chasm, if longevity is going to cross this chasm into the mainstream, we got to do a better job of proving our claims. Yeah. It's very confusing. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it's just kind of word of mouth or And it's a reviews. lot of marketing. It's marketing. And marketing. Yeah, it's the too. best marketing wins. Yeah. There's a lot of companies out there making outlandish claims. There's affiliates making thousands of dollars selling products or yeah. tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars being transacted. And the products don't work. Wow. I mean, just think about that for a minute. The wellness industry is a $4 trillion global industry. Based upon all the research that I've done, and again, there's no, I don't have any clinical data to back this up, but there are studies, for example, that have shown that when they independently test supplements, if they say only 74%, recent study was done, 74% of the supplements tested did not have the concentration of the supplements that were claimed on the bottle. Wow. And of those, 40% of them didn't have any of the product that was claimed to be inside. Oh my God, do not tell. Well, I, I hopefully so, my so, so, like... so this is the thing, the quality. So just because you're taking, I know. just because the bottle says this or the marketing says that, it doesn't mean it's having the effect. We tend to overestimate our ability to judge outcomes mm-hmm. without objective data. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, you can say, I think it's making me feel better, but that could be Deception. Yeah. It could be self-deception. I hate to say this. People don't like to hear me saying this, no, but it's the No, but facts. it makes sense. And, so, and the so quality we, too. The so quality, is... 
the dosing, the timing, how it gets absorbed, how it gets absorbed the bioavailability. Yeah. There's a lot there. Yeah. There's a lot. And, and there is no testing. Yeah. There's no regulations. All they do this claims. in other countries, in other, like Australia, mm, it's regulated a little? I thought not, their supplements are like There's a little like bit more. But see, the, so the problem is, is that if we don't do this now, the hammer is going to start to fall. Yeah. The FDA, the FTC, Canada is already looking down at shutting down the whole supplement industry almost. Wow. Because because you got to understand, if you're a government personnel and you look at these numbers and you say these companies are making millions of dollars, tens of um, millions of dollars off of fake, product. fake products, what is your orientation going to say? You're going to say, yeah. you know what? Shut it down. Yeah. Which we can't have. So, supplement, uh, you know, a lot of these supplements have really helped me, like my yes. hair or whatever. So yeah. it's like they were very beneficial, but I've it, also done a lot of research kind of looking into the supplement. I don't have any fillers. Like, I, you yes. know, I've I've done like... But, but not everybody has the time for that. Yeah. Right? You're doing I, that because I like it because it's my passion. You're geeking out on it. <laughs> yeah. You're in the space. But like Joe, can, Joe and Jane consumer... Most people don't do it. They don't, they don't want to spend the time. It's not That's like, why they listen to these podcasts. Like, what the yeah. heck do I do? Yeah. So, so what we need to do as an industry is we need to do a better job of proving our claims. We need to stop talking, marketing speak. And we need the companies to step up and do the right thing and start and to have. do the hard science... To validate their claims. Yeah. And if they don't do it, trust me, the governmental forces are going to come in and they're going to shut this down. And they're already starting to do it. They're already shutting down NMN. They're already shutting down CBD. They've already looking at shutting down supplements in Canada. Australia has done, is looking. They're constantly trying. They're constantly looking to claw it back. Then there's a public outcry and they loosen it a little bit. But this tug of war is going to get really ugly in the next few years if we don't start taking responsibility today. So it's not only the right thing to do for the consumer, it's actually going to become a requirement to do business in the future. Mm. And that's why we're starting this company now. Yeah. No, that's great. And then will it be like a little label, a little yes. proven label on the... <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that now the consumer can have some confidence that this product has been proven. That's great. We definitely need that because yeah. you, you don't know. I've, don't know. I've heard some people say, hey, I looked at this in my lab or something. And so this is a good supplement to take. But yeah. That's kind of just word of mouth. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and so we, I mean, it's not impossible. And again, I think the, I think the, um, opportunity for us to take this whole longevity world to and health span world to the next yeah. level to get mass adoption. Like I said, we have to do these things to get to the next level. These industries have already gotten quite big, but like I said, we've, you know, for the, the mass market to really respect what we're doing, we have to include go to a different level and improve our credibility. To everyone, and you'll also test the quality, like yeah, heavy I mean, metals we, or something. Yeah, we want to do long term. We really want to build a whole ecosystem for this types of analysis. So it's really not going to be one company or one group that's going to solve this problem, but we're going to do our best. And and ideally, I mean, my hope is to build coalitions with a lot of other people that want to solve this problem too, because we're not big enough to. I guess it's a four trillion dollar global wellness industry per yeah, year. Yeah. Like not I'm one. A, I'm a contributor. One, yeah, not one. <laughs> not one person is going to like fix this thing, right? Like yeah. we have, you know, we we have a we have a health crisis. We have, you know, the wellness products that people are turning towards may or may not be efficacious. We have, you know, problems with food. We also have 
you know, fires, like floods. I mean, there's a lot going I on know, in the world. Our so water, it's like, soil. Yeah, so it's like, what <laughs> crisis do you focus on, right? So, so this is the crisis, at least I'm choosing with my team okay. to focus on, yeah. right? How do we bring it's more It's a different thing. I don't think a lot of people are doing that. So that's right. the great thing about it. So yeah. So we're committed to that. That's and you're what still we're doing. with Healthspan? Yes. We're still looking at, we still are producing some events. Okay. So, but do you uh, have right one now, coming up? I do. It's not public. So okay, I'll, I okay. can send you a personal invitation, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but we are actually going to be having our proven launch party uh, oh. actually right here. It uh, sounds like at the Kin. Oh. Uh, on perfect. October 12th. Yeah, so. shout out to the Ken. This co working space, this yeah. gorgeous podcast room yeah. so, in Venice. Yeah, amazing space. Yeah. And so, uh, oh, yeah. Nice. So, we're going to do that. And you're going to hear a lot more from us. You know, we're okay. going to come out yeah, of stuff. I didn't in October. know it hasn't launched yet. It hasn't launched. Like, okay. So, yes. So, so there will be of, more information on the website as well. Very people. soon. Yes. Okay, okay, yeah. Good. And if you're interested in this, you know, and it doesn't even have to be a company that wants to do the research, if you just want to help us support what we're doing here, in some capacity, we're open, but uh, yeah. but yeah, you know, we we have we're building a coalition and ecosystem of brands and companies and individuals and physicians. You know, I'm working with a lot of different people now, and we really are coming together as a community. Coming I know back to that's that a great thing. I know, you know because this is my passion as well. So I'm building so many beautiful relationships, which fulfills me, you know, as well. So it's just kind of like my energy and I'm, I'm in really enjoying this space of everyone kind of contributing. Cause I think it's just helping everyone and then, you know, spreading that word. Right. And we all have to work together, right? So you're doing yeah. your part. Thank you for yeah. having me here uh, yes. to like share oh my gosh. a little bit of I'm my so message. I'm so grateful to have you. Mm-hmm. You have so much knowledge. I could just talk to you forever. <laughs> But this was definitely amazing. I'm so glad you could make it here. I'm grateful you're in LA. <laughs> well, we were definitely the conversation was all over the place, but you said that's what you wanted, right? You wanted know, just have why, a have a talk. So. Yeah, I mean, I just don't want to, you know, just talk about fitness or whatever. Right. So I this was amazing. I loved all of it. Thank you so much. I guess three things because I feel like most podcasts do this. Okay. I'm biohacker blondie, so three biohacks or longevity <laughs> hacks. Three that you would uh, say. Um, well, my uh, I, I got sh- I just came for a meeting with my uh, close associate uh, Joe Bakti over at Resolution, and this is one that probably aren't think people aren't thinking about, but he's brought my awareness to the fact that we should all be doing this is early detection. Mm. We're not thinking about that is a longevity hack. We're all thinking about all the intervention stuff. But there's actually a lot of tools that are now coming online where you can detect, you know, and you even early signs of early signs of cancers and blood, you know, disorders, organ disorders, right? Because you, or yeah, you could be developing, you know, uh, a fatty liver yeah, in your thirties. Really common oh. in your thirties. Oh, in children, it's like fifteen percent have a non-alcoholic. Fatty liver, liver. and you don't know, and it could be it could be below the threshold for medical diagnostics Mm because they're really looking at disease. So they're not looking. So you may have built up. So when they say your A one C, you know, is six point five, and now you're diabetic. Well, you probably were. That was like twenty, thirty years it took you to get there. 
So it's like now we need to we need to start thinking. The next phase of this is we need to start thinking about early detection, and we need to start looking at those you know those early pre-diabetics, and like that should be sending the signal right away. And that's what I, th- I like with blood work or whatever. Once yes. you see that, you then you don't really take action. Yeah. So that's get, like until you see something, you know, you you don't know. Yeah. So I'm gonna. Of my three, I'm probably going to give. <laughs> That's maybe a great the, one. That's they may, a great, they may that's all great. be diagnostic. I'll try not to make them all diagnostic tools, but I'm also a big fan of wearables. So I'm wearing okay. both the Whoop and an Aura. Okay. So I'm big about like, I gotta this get idea. The Aura ring. I'm Everyone a, loves I, it. I'm a big, well, it depends what you're looking for. You know, also I, I work with Garmin. Uh, yeah. I've tested Now Watch, testing Now Watch, doing amazing work. There's a lot of different wearables. So it's, there's a complicated, I could do, I've done a lot of podcasts just on <laughs> wearables. So it's one of my areas of, of research. But I think, again, using that early detection and the blood work and the testing, you can also, even if you can't, the thing is, is that is something you maybe do once a year. Yeah. May, at most twice a year, really. Some people told me you could do blood work quarterly if you really wanted to dive in, but that might even be too much for most people. Yeah, yeah. Wearables most people don't do it for five years. Show right? you day by day variations. Yeah, I know. And so the, you the can, blood glucose monitor is great. I think that's been a game changer so for I'm a lot of people. So I'm a big fan of biosensors. So we continuous glucose monitoring, wearable tech. So I would have to say like early detection and get yourself a wearable and just start to pay attention yeah. to like what you're doing. Yeah, I think a, peop- a lot of people just avoid those situations or even finance or whatever, because yeah. they don't want to deal with it. They're just like, I don't want to, you know, so, but when you start measuring things, you're like, wow, I need to take action. I, yeah. These are things I can be you, implementing. You can't deny the data when it's sitting there in your there, face. Yeah, yeah. So when you see that blood work and you see, holy crap, I watched Netflix till two in the morning last night and I was eating popcorn until midnight and I <laughs> look at my HRV is completely in the toilet. It's like, I can no longer say that's okay. Yeah, I I know. It's like once it's there, you're like, okay, I shouldn't have had a drink. You know, this is like I had horrible. Alcohol can be brutal for some people once they start to look at their HRV scores. It's like kill your your HRV. So, so I would say early detection, use of wearables, wearables. and you know what? I'm going to pick my third one because I think it's so important because we talked about this. We're going to bring it back to nature because that costs nothing. I know. Get yourself in nature. Get up in the morning before you pick up your phone, before you do anything. This is my, this is my common circadian rhythm reset I give everybody. Do you so, make coffee or you know, anything? No coffee. You just no go coffee. straight outside. Go straight outside. Okay, go straight okay, outside, okay. barefoot, on the earth, no phone. You're not allowed to look at your phone before this. And go do some breathing and some light movement, Tai Chi or yoga or whatever you do for 10, 15 minutes before you start your day. Get yourself aligned with a circadian rhythm reset. If you do that every day for 30 days, I guarantee you, (laughs) I will guarantee you, here's my personal guarantee, that you will see change just from that one 10, 15 minutes. But you got to do it consistently and you'll see the improvement. Okay. I'm going to make this my my goal this week to go to the beach in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially if you don't even look what? at your phone because your mind. I need coffee. Your mind will know coffee. You have coffee two hours after you wake up. Oh my gosh. No. Yeah. Because you need to have, so you, you know about this, the melatonin and adenosine balance. So you need in the morning, you need that sun to get into your eyes and you need to get that movement in your body because that will activate your cortisol and your adenosine levels will go up. And you'll get a boost from that. You won't need the coffee. You take the coffee two hours later because that will continue to give the boost throughout the day. 
But you need to. Huh? I just love the taste. It's like a routine to me. It's my happiness. It's like I mean, I do the little pour over. It's like uh, a whole. Well, we taught. We started with the point that we have these negative behavioral loops. Coffee is definitely, <laughs> but I don't. I do decaf later on. I just love the taste of it. Right. It's like my favorite, my guilty, yeah. and I know it's like dehydrating and everything. Yeah. But. So, so those are my three. It's my guilty pleasure. <laughs> We all have some, right? We're not perfect. I'm not telling you to. You don't have to give up your coffee if you really don't want to. But this is, this is my health. With, I'll start with the, just the beach, too. Okay, like, there you I'll go. do that. So. Yeah, and see, see, but if that starts to give you the boost, you may find that you're okay going those two hours without the coffee. Yeah, Just, just I see know. what happens after yeah. a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try a day without the coffee. Yeah, one see day at do. a time. Yeah, one day at a time. <laughs> Exactly. Anyways, well, thank you so much for coming here and doing this podcast with me. I really appreciate it. Hopefully we get the word out more with all the health and awareness and longevity and make people healthier and yes. more beautiful. So, all right. Well, thank, thank you so you much. Thank you so much.